Hello, and welcome to People of the Pod, brought to you by American Jewish Committee. Each week, we take you beyond the headlines to help you understand what they all mean for America, Israel, and the Jewish people. I'm your host, Manya Brashear-Pashman. Most American Jews feel that hatred against them is on the rise, but fewer Americans in general agree. This is according to a comprehensive report released today about American and American Jewish views of anti-Semitism. Here to talk about that report is Avi Mayer, Managing Director of Public Affairs and Senior Spokesperson for AJC, and Holly Huffnagel, AJC's U.S. Director for Combating Anti-Semitism. Avi, Holly, welcome. Thank you for having us. Avi, I'm going to start with you. This is the third year AJC has done this report. Why is it necessary? Well, Manya, as you know, this is not the first time that we've done this. We first did a survey of American Jews on the subject of anti-Semitism in America one year after the horrific Pittsburgh synagogue attack. And we really wanted to get to the bottom of how Jews were feeling about anti-Semitism, how they were experiencing it, how they perceived it. And the findings of that report, which was the first of its kind, really the first time anyone had ever asked American Jews all the questions we did about anti-Semitism, were very well received, drew a lot of media coverage, and we went around the country talking about these findings. And one thing that emerged from those conversations is the need for some kind of comparable data about non-Jews, how the U.S. general public was perceiving anti-Semitism, what they thought was anti-Semitic, how they experienced anti-Semitism. And so last year, we produced our first ever State of Anti-Semitism in America report, which included two surveys, survey of American Jews, as we had done the year before, and a parallel survey of the general public. And while there were some similarities, there was high concern about anti-Semitism amongst both Jews and the general public, there were also significant differences, particularly with regard to the question of whether anti-Semitism was indeed getting worse, as many American Jews felt that it was, and many uh, Americans of all backgrounds seemed to feel differently. And so this year, we decided to do the same thing. We decided to conduct two surveys in parallel, one of American Jews and the other of the U.S. public while adding certain elements that we thought were important. So, for example, we asked specific questions about the conflict between Israel and Hamas this past summer. We know that there was a wave of anti-Semitism that was somehow connected to that conflict. We saw that there were many Jews who were concerned about it, and we felt it was important to ask them about that experience and to ask, quite frankly, non-Jews as well, whether they were aware of anti-Semitic attacks during that period. We also put a very careful effort in oversampling certain groups. We wanted to make sure that we had a high representation of young people. And that was something that was tremendously important to us as part of this process. And we actually changed the way in which we conduct the surveys to ensure that we were getting as many young voices as possible, because we know that's of particular interest to us as an organization and as a community. And sure enough, the findings of the report, which we released earlier today, indicate that anti-Semitism remains a high concern amongst the U.S. Jewish population and also amongst the general public. Still, there are differences, particularly with regard to whether the respondents feel that anti-Semitism is indeed getting worse. As we said about last year, American Jews continue to believe that it is getting worse and the general public does not feel so to the same degree. And particularly with regard to the conflict this past summer, while a large majority of American Jews said that they had heard about anti-Semitic attacks during the Israel-Hamas conflict, a significant majority 
of the general public said that they hadn't heard of it at all or had heard very little about it. And that is, I think, particularly alarming when you hear about just how many Jews were attacked in the streets during the course of that conflict, when you note that there were many Jews who have taken steps to conceal their Jewishness over the past few months as a result of rising anti-Semitism. The fact that so many Americans aren't aware of these anti-Semitic attacks at all, I think, should alarm all of us and really speak to the need for higher education on anti-Semitism and on these issues more broadly. Do American Jews believe anti-Semitism is indeed still a problem? Do they think it's on the way down or actually increasing? So American Jews do think anti-Semitism is a problem. In fact, nine in 10 do. And four in 10 say it is a very serious problem in the United States. We also asked over the past five years if American Jews thought anti-Semitism had increased, decreased, or stayed the same. And 82% said that anti-Semitism has increased in the last five years. So anti-Semitism is a problem in the United States and it is rising. And yet we did find a new shift that an increased number of Jews, small but still noteworthy, feel more secure in America today than they did a year ago. Whereas 43% of American Jews felt less secure than a year ago in 2020, that number dropped to 31% in 2021. And the majority cited the change in administration to be the reason why they feel more secure now. Very interesting. So those are the perceptions. How many actually encountered anti-Semitism? So we asked American Jews this very question. And to be honest, the findings were quite heartbreaking. In the last 12 months, 24% of American Jews have been the target of anti-Semitic attacks online or offline. Again, that's one in four American Jews being targeted by anti-Semitism in the last year alone. And four in 10 American Jews have altered their behavior due to fears of anti-Semitism. Almost one in five American Jews have been the target by an anti-Semitic remark in person, even during the pandemic. We also found in the last five years, one in four American Jews have had their Jewish institutions targeted by anti-Semitic graffiti, attacks, threats, and those who've personally experienced that anti-Semitism, they were much more likely to say that anti-Semitism has increased a lot or that it is a very serious problem. So we see that direct correlation. So Avi, when Holly says that behavior changed, what does that mean? Well, look, I think it's important to stress what Holly said. Four out of every 10 American Jews, 39%, have changed their behavior over the past 12 months out of fear of anti-Semitism. That is a startling, startling statistic. And when we talk about that, here's what we mean. 25% say that they've avoided posting content online that would enable others to identify them as Jewish or would reveal their views on Jewish issues. A quarter. It's one out of four. 22%, which is more than one in five, say that they have avoided wearing or displaying things that might enable others to identify them as Jewish. They're essentially concealing their Jewishness in public. And 17% say that they've avoided certain places, events, or situations out of fear of anti-Semitism. So American Jews are significantly curtailing their activities. They are changing their lives and the way they live their lives as open and proud Jews as a result of their concerns about anti-Semitism. And Holly, you said that one in four American Jews has actually encountered anti-Semitism. Was that in the past five years? And was there another time frame that this survey explored? So, Manya, that statistic, one in four American Jews experiencing anti-Semitism, was just in the last 12 months. 
And we actually purposely asked just 12 months as opposed to five years because we really wanted to know what American Jews were experiencing right now. That's shocking that just in the past year, were there other jaw-dropping findings uh, that that really surprised you in this support? Avi? Look, I think that there were several things that really stood out. The one that really stood out to me was the disconnect between the number of American Jews and Americans of other backgrounds who had heard about anti-Semitic attacks during the conflict between Israel and Hamas. I thought that that really was a standout statistic and I think really speaks to a disconnect that exists between those two groups. Another thing that I think was was quite notable was a number of American Jews who identified the far left as posing an anti-Semitic threat. We saw a 10% increase, uh, 10-point increase compared to last year amongst American Jews who identified it as a threat. And I think that that, too, is an indication of the way in which the anti-Semitic attacks during the course of the conflict this past summer have really influenced the psyche of American Jews and have caused them to think about the source of the threats that they're encountering and what really sort of endanger them as Jews in America today. But I think that in general, a lot of the statistics we saw were pretty similar to ones that we had seen previously. And I think that that speaks to the constancy of this challenge and the fact that this is something that we cannot and must not ignore, that this is a societal issue, one that must be tackled across the political spectrum, and that there's no group really within American society at all that is immune from this challenge and that should not be a part of tackling it face on. That's just so surprising that people weren't aware of the violence in May tied to the Israel-Hamas conflict. It just seems like it was so central. It was such a headline every day for certainly a number of weeks. That just seems really, really surprising. One thing that really stood out to me as we talk about sort of anecdotes and stories related to this data is the story of the young man who was assaulted by a mob near Times Square in New York, concurrent to an anti-Israel protest that was taking place nearby. He was beaten and pepper sprayed. And in an interview, he later said that he never thought he'd get to the point where, as a Jew in America, he would think twice about wearing his kippah, his yarmulke, in public. And in that one statement, I feel as though we see all of this data coming together. The violence surrounding that conflict, the percentage of American Jews who are thinking twice about identifying openly as Jewish in public, these are data points that should be of tremendous concern to all Americans. Holly, were there any other revelations or discoveries that took you aback? One in particular, Manu, when I think about how Americans, U.S. adults, are also seeing this problem, was really maybe in two parts. The first is really a divergence between American Jews who say that anti-Semitism has increased, and that number was about 8 in 10 American Jews, or 82%. And we're seeing that number basically halved by the general public, so 44% say that it's increased. But what's interesting, and I actually think this is very important, we asked U.S. adults if they'd witnessed anti-Semitism in the last 12 months, if they themselves had seen an attack against a Jewish person, their religious facilities, online content against Jewish people. And 4 in 10 U.S. adults, so 41%, have witnessed an anti-Semitic incident in the last 12 months, and 31% have actually seen it more than once. So we know that that anti-Semitic content is being seen by the general public, and so I think that also can kind of raise alarm bells as well. And yet they still don't believe that it's on the rise, even though they're seeing it right in front of them. So 44% see that it's on the rise. Now, many of them actually don't know. There was an option this time to say, you know, we don't know what's happening. And I think about 19% actually said, you know, we don't know the answer to that question. So there's some ignorance there as well. 
So how should the results of this study shape Jewish advocacy going forward? Avi? Well, look, I think that this speaks to the need to address this challenge head on. And this is something that no political leader, no civic leader, no religious leader in America can desist from or say is not relevant to them. What we see very clearly from these findings is that American Jews identify anti-Semitism across the political spectrum and really throughout American society, including in other faith and ethnic groups. And that, I think, is something that should raise alarm bells amongst all of our leaders. And we should call them to account. And we should demand that they take steps to address this challenge by, for example, adopting the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance's definition of anti-Semitism. This is something that we at AJC have advocated for for many years. We see that it is happening in certain places, not happening in enough places, and it absolutely must. We also need to be calling on our elected officials to join the Congressional Task Force on Anti-Semitism. This is something that should be expected of all our leaders. All of our leaders should be unequivocally opposed to Jew hatred in all its forms. And it's certainly something that we should encourage our elected officials to do. These are just a few of the many things that we can and should be calling on our officials to do. But we, too, can play a role in that. I think by sharing these results, by sharing our stories of anti-Semitism, American Jews can also be a part of the solution. Should those who are involved in Jewish advocacy also think about the relationship between America and Israel and how our representatives in Congress deal with that? Absolutely. One thing that emerged, I think, very powerfully from this report is that both American Jews and the U.S. general public view anti-Zionism as represented by the statement Israel has no right to exist as a form of anti-Semitism. More than 80% of both Jewish and non-Jewish Americans say that that statement is indeed anti-Semitic. And so when we see our elected officials kowtowing to those who hold those views, or sometimes expressing views that are adjacent to that perspective, or which condemn Zionism, which is of course the national liberation movement of the Jewish people, we see that American Jews, and quite frankly the general public as well, identify that as anti-Semitic. And so absolutely, we should be holding them to account. We should be uh, calling them out whenever they engage in what, again, American Jews and the general public regard as anti-Semitic rhetoric. And that is something that we must be doing regardless of our political affiliation and where we might stand on the political map. Holly, you mentioned many respondents talking about online content, seeing anti-Semitic content online. What kind of advocacy is needed working with social media platforms to try to get a handle on that? So this year, we asked how American Jews experience anti-Semitism online in the past 12 months. And as I mentioned before, in previous studies, we had asked about in the past five years, had they been the target of anti-Semitism online? And that's a really long time frame and one that social media companies couldn't necessarily use since their hate speech policies and community guidelines have changed so much in the past five years. So in this past year alone, we found that roughly one in 10 American Jews have personally been the target of an anti-Semitic remark or post online, and most pointed to Facebook as the platform on which they were targeted with Twitter as the second most common response. TikTok had a jump in reported anti-Semitism in the last year alone compared to over the last five. But there's more here. Of those who have been targeted by anti-Semitism online, almost one in five reported feeling physically threatened. This was the first time we asked this question. And in addition, one in four American Jews said that they avoided posting content online that would identify them as Jewish or reveal their views on Jewish issues. So we can see that American Jews feel chilled from speaking. 
So these findings are very important when we engage with the tech platforms. We have to demand improved monitoring, for instance. So of those who were targeted online, 42% reported the incident or at least one of the incidents to the platform in question, but only 36% of those who reported say at least some of the content was removed. We also have to demand transparency and work to ensure that the platform's algorithms do not promote anti-Semitic mis- and disinformation. I think this is especially important as we saw Jews attacked in May. It was really a numbers game. We saw heightened anti-Semitic content, memes, videos on Instagram and TikTok. And because some of this content was popularized algorithmically, we had more and more young people seeing and sharing, often unknowingly, anti-Semitic conspiracies and misinformation. And finally, Mania, if you don't mind, I'd like to mention something about law enforcement because it connects with the Jewish community and reporting, reporting anti-Semitism. And this year, we found that 66% of American Jews believe law enforcement is effective in responding to the needs of the Jewish community. But this is a drop. This is a drop from an 81% approval rating in 2019, so just two years ago. And I think we need to take, take note of that. We also see the majority of Jews not reporting anti-Semitic incidents, often because a verbal anti-Semitic remark or an anti-Semitic comment online may not rise to the level of reporting to the police. But even of the small number of Jews who were physically attacked, uh, many did not report. Now, these numbers are small, so we can't make big claims here. But anecdotally, we have heard from Jewish communities that there is some resignation in reporting. They, they feel that nothing will be done if they report or nothing will change. And in some states, like in New York, which have laws that actually benefit perpetrators of anti-Semitic hate crimes because their bail reform laws give judges more discretion in setting bail and other terms of pretrial release. So when Jews see that anti-Semitism is not taken as seriously by law enforcement, it can lead to that further resignation. So we must advocate here as well for law enforcement to take anti-Semitism seriously and encourage the Jewish community to continue reporting anti-Semitic incidents. Thank you, Holly. Avi, what can our audience today do about these findings instead of just listening in despair? Well, first and foremost, share them. Share them with your friends, with your colleagues, with your loved ones. This is compelling data, and it tells a very compelling story. It's all available on our website at AJC.org. And it's something that I think all people of conscience, Jewish and non-Jewish, should be well aware of. The second thing I would say is tell your own story. We're encouraging members of our community to share their own stories of anti-Semitism using the hashtag anti-Semitism report. That's hashtag anti-Semitism report. Share your encounters with anti-Semitism, whether you too have taken steps in response to anti-Semitism to either conceal your identity or to limit your activities. And the third thing I would say is take action. Join AJC in calling on our elected officials to take resolute action in the halls of power and wherever they may be against the scourge of anti-Semitism, because at the end of the day, this affects all Americans, not only Jews. And we have a right to safety and to live our lives as fully and as openly as any other people do. Holly, any additional thoughts? So, Mani, I do think a lot about non-Jews and their responses to this, especially as someone who's not Jewish. And I wanted to point out a few positive findings because it can relate to non-Jews and non-Jews participation in the fight against anti-Semitism. And I think the first thing which I see as a good thing is that there's more awareness this year about the term anti-Semitism. Last year, we found that almost half of U.S. adults, 46%, were not familiar with the term anti-Semitism. And this year, that number's dropped to 34%. 
And while our survey modes have changed slightly, so we shouldn't make absolute comparisons, we can say that the number has gone down. So there's actually a greater awareness and we need to continue that momentum of education and working with our non-Jewish allies to share that information. A second important finding is that while we found that 36% of Americans don't know Jews, so 36% of Americans don't know Jews, still 60% of Americans think anti-Semitism is a problem. Now, yes, that's less than American Jews, but 60% of Americans think anti-Semitism is a problem. So many people who don't know Jews still think it's a problem in our country. And we need to capitalize on that and increase that number and raise awareness again through media, through social media campaigns. And finally, thirdly and finally, 59% of U.S. adults have not seen a single incident of anti-Semitism this past year. Yet we found that they were actually still pretty good at understanding anti-Semitism's various forms, especially related to Israel. Avi mentioned this statistic, it bears repeating again. 85% of U.S. adults believe that anti-Zionism, represented by that phrase, Israel has no right to exist, that's anti-Semitism. So that is something that I think we can hold on to, these like at least three positive findings as foundational, but there's a lot more work to be done. And I think if I could maybe narrow it to three things that our non-Jewish allies can do, the first is we need help having non-Jews recognize anti-Semitism by defining it, adopting the IRA definition in their cities, in their states, as Avi mentioned. They can raise awareness when they see it. We mentioned that four in 10 Americans who did see anti-Semitism, did they report it? We don't know, so we encourage them. If you see it, if you're one of the four in 10 Americans who saw anti-Semitism this past year, if you see it in the future, please report it, help us report it. They can support legislation that helps the Jewish community. They can join in coalitions with the Jewish community to do that. And I think the last thing is just really having non-Jews be at the forefront of educational initiatives about Jews, about Jewish history, about the Holocaust, about anti-Semitism, and you know, a simple way of just educating about Judaism in their communities and places especially where there aren't Jews. So something as simple as making sure community events aren't scheduled on Jewish holidays. You know, something as simple as you know, making sure that Yom Kippur is a, a holy day and showing understanding of and respect for Jewish American identity and practice, that's a really important start. So those are three things our allies can do. Well, Holly, Avi, thank you for sharing these highlights. There's work to be done. If you'd like to learn more about AJC's latest State of Anti-Semitism in America report, go to AJC.org slash 2021 report. That's AJC.org slash 2021 report. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Manya. Thank you. Now it's time for our closing segment, Shabbat Table Talk. And with me today is a winner. Earlier this year, listeners may recall we put out a survey to find out what you turned up and what you tuned out. Those who responded were entered in a drawing to be a Shabbat Table Talk guest. Jim Raymanofsky of Fairfax County, Virginia, took the time to tell us he had enjoyed listening, especially to our episodes featuring authors Daniel Gordis and Micah Goodman. So his name went into the hat, and he's with us today. Jim, welcome. I'm excited to participate. We're excited to have you. So I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on the findings of the report that Avi and Holly just discussed. Well, I have to say it is very disconcerting to hear about these findings. I was born a long time ago in 1950, and it was socially unacceptable during the first, say, 15 to 20 years of my life for any Americans to be vocally anti-Semitic, probably because of the proximity of those years to the Holocaust. There was certainly unspoken anti-Semitism, and there were restrictive covenants in certain communities that prohibited sale of property to Jews, 
and there were restricted country clubs that denied membership to Jews. But in the 1960s, that all began to change. And as we were increasingly distanced from World War II and the Holocaust, but as the overt discrimination seemed to be decreasing, there were still occasional attacks by white supremacists on Jewish facilities, for example, at a JCC in Los Angeles in 1999, and at the Jewish Federation of Seattle in 2006, and then at the JCC in Kansas City in 2014. In most of those incidents, the perpetrators actually killed more non-Jews than Jews. However, I think the real wake-up call came in Pittsburgh three years ago. Yes, indeed. That was a wake-up call. And I remember all of those incidents that you just listed, and they all somehow seemed like isolated incidents, outliers, if you will. And then Pittsburgh happened. And you know, until Pittsburgh, anti-Semitism was treated more as like a relic of the past or exclusive to other parts of the globe or those isolated incidents. I mean, you mentioned country clubs. I think of quotas. I grew up with stories about my grandfather, who was an ophthalmologist, and he attended the only medical school that would accept him as a Jew because of those quotas. And of course, I've spoken here before about hearing anti-Jewish slurs growing up that were just commonplace slang among those I grew up with, but I attributed that to ignorance. I never imagined the kind of discrimination that could become deadly until Pittsburgh and then, of course, Poway. So Poway turned out to be very personal for me and my wife. We had been members of the Chabad congregation in Poway for about 10 years prior to our moving to Northern Virginia. And I would never have predicted such an attack on this shul in suburban San Diego. Lori Kay, the congregant who was murdered, was a very good friend of ours. Lori was truly an Asha Kyle, a righteous woman who exemplified the best in Jewish values. She opened her home to the community on Shabbat and holidays and was continually performing the hardest kind of mitzvot, those between people. I have fond memories of dinners at her Shabbat table and still I'm trying to understand how this all happened. The attack came from an 18-year-old college student who apparently had been immersed in dark web chat rooms that turned him into a Jew-hating white supremacist. This event made me realize how widespread the emerging anti-Semitism has become, and subsequent events have revealed that it is no longer taboo to openly espouse anti-Semitic viewpoints. Well, Jim, first of all, I'm so sorry about the loss of your friend, Lori. And I really like what you said about her performing the hardest kind of mitzvot, those between people. I have long believed that radical hospitality has been missing from some Jewish communities, and it shouldn't because it really plays a tremendously important role in sustaining a future for American Jewry. And it sounds like you found it there at the Chabad of Poway, and especially from Lori. It's really beautiful. Yes, we really did. Lori's outgoing personality and kindness defined the hospitality that the Chabad movement is known for. Interestingly, though, after we relocated from the San Diego area to Northern Virginia almost eight years ago and searched for a congregation, we found that same welcoming enthusiasm at a large reform temple here. It's been a good place for my grandchildren 
and I hope they will come to value and cherish their heritage. By the way, my, my involvement in AJC also resulted from the friendly welcome I received when I attended AJC Global Forum in 2014. The Washington region staff and membership confirmed that AJC is a good fit for my Jewish advocacy work in its mission to combat anti-Semitism, advocate for Israel, and fight for civil rights for all of us. This advocacy, along with studying Jewish sources and texts, I'm currently enrolled in the Tikva Fund's Bible 365 podcast, which entails covering the entire Hebrew Bible in a year. That's what's keeping me engaged. That's wonderful. We have some podcast competition, in other words. I will have to look that podcast up. And I'm glad that you've found a variety of ways to supplement your worship experience, because I know the observance in the Chabad compared to a Reformed temple is very different. So I like how you kind of filled it in there and created your own Jewish experience. And Jim, right there in your backyard, some news happened that really concerned me, and that is the D.C. chapter of Sunrise. It's an environmental group. This past weekend, they pulled out of a rally or a march, maybe, for voting rights just because Jewish groups who supported Israel's right to exist were participating. And I have to say that level of exclusivity, that refusal to find common ground really stunned me. Not to mention, I was dismayed that they were kind of diluting quite worthwhile causes, voting rights and climate change. And I know they issued an apology this week, but even that still referred to the belief that Israel should exist. It referred to that belief as an oppressive ideology. And it it just, I was stunned. Actually, I think it was only the National Organization of Sunrise and not the D.C. chapter that issued the lukewarm apology. This really illustrates how today's anti-Semitism is coming from multiple directions, not just white supremacists anymore. We saw in May how quickly anti-Israel fervor transformed into physical attacks on Jews who had nothing to do with Israel in places like New York City and Los Angeles. It feels like anti-Semitism is the one hatred that is being viewed as justifiable by many in our country. So I think Holly Huffnagel and AJC have a big challenge in figuring out how to counter what I would call the normalization of anti-Semitism. Well, Jim, thank you so much for joining us, and Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom to you, Manya. Thank you for listening. This episode is brought to you by AJC. Our producers are Kukong Do and Atara Lakritz. Our sound engineer is TK Broderick. You can subscribe to People of the Pod on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, or learn more at ajc.org slash peopleofthepod. The views and opinions of our guests don't necessarily reflect the positions of AJC. We'd love to hear your views and opinions or your questions. You can reach us at peopleofthepod at ajc.org. If you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to tell your friends, tag us on social media with hashtag peopleofthepod, and hop on to Apple Podcasts to rate us and write a review to help more listeners find us. Tune in next week for another episode of People of the Pod.